0: Aloha and welcome to I Hate My Voice, the podcast where we deep dive into our dysfunctional relationships with our voices, while also learning to turn it all around. My name is Nikki D, and I'm an award-winning vocalist, transformational vocal coach, and founder of the Diva Academy. I have just one mission with this podcast, to inspire and empower you to actually fall in love with your voice. Back to life, back to reality. Woo, taking it back, back, back with that one. And speaking of back, I'm back. That's right, it's me, Nikki D, and this is episode five of I Hate My Voice. You guys, I hope that you tuned into episodes one through four. If not, please go back and do that when you get a chance because. I have a sort of narrative that I'm creating here, so I'd love for you to listen to them in order. However, perfectly understandable if you're already here and you don't feel like clicking out or maybe you're driving. Um, We have talked so far about some of the reasons behind why people say they hate their voice or think or feel that they hate their voice. We've talked a lot about vocal shame and where it comes from and how it affects us. And then last week I started to touch a bit on vocal work itself, what it is, what vocal coaching entails, and why vocal work is so important for all voices, regardless of what they're used for. Whether they're for singing, public speaking, um, acting, making speeches, whether you're a business leader, an entrepreneur, a you know, whether you give masterclasses, workshops, Whatever it is you do, vocal work is essential for your voice. And the benefits of vocal work are just endless. I've talked about them a little bit before. Um, They can fall into some wider categories like performative or non-performative. They can fall into a more social or more personal they can fall into a more professional, you know, category. So there are many, many benefits of vocal work. And in fact, I have an ebook coming out very soon. If you go to my website and get on my mailing list, I will be announcing that soon and it will be available for free. And it's going to be super cool and give you all sorts of insight into those benefits. And so there are definitely a ton of coaches out there who work specifically with singers or maybe you know, exclusively with singers, others who might work specifically with professional speakers. I myself happen to work with both. Although in a rather surprising turn, I have uh, been working with a lot more entrepreneurs and business leaders in recent years. And so I'd love to share a little bit about why that is and what led me down that path. And uh, let me preface this by saying, first of all, my heart and soul will always be with my artists. I love my artists and I hope to always continue working with artists in different capacities. Um, I love working with my stage performers, my actors, my choral singers, recording artists, my theater kids, all of the above. But somewhere along the way, and this started happening about five, six, seven years ago, I suddenly began attracting into my studio somehow or another um all these other types of vocalists so in some of the most life-changing cases both for myself and my clients um these were really high-powered professional women of a particular age range usually 40s to 60s and there were a few that really stood out to me and so i want to share their stories with you really briefly um These were women who really loved singing at some point in their lives. They'd all been professional or semi-professional singers. And they all came to me with really compelling life stories and really unique and specific vocal goals. Their goals were much less performance-based than I was used to. Like they didn't have an urgent audition coming up, for example, or the goals themselves weren't even necessarily based around performance at all. So. Um, generally, when I create a vocal plan for a for a new client, I start out with you know evaluating their voice and figuring out their their voice type and see where they might have some blockages in their voice. And so, there's usually a certain sense of urgency when I'm creating those plans. Um, but in these cases, it was just a little bit different. And so, I want to share three of these uh, women's stories with you, really briefly, just to kind of give you an idea of why. I started to make the transition from working with just, you know, um, professional singers. So as an example, I'm going to start with my girl, Julie, Julie was a super busy physician and, um, probably I think in her early fifties, when we started working together, she'd been recommended. So she's a word of mouth client, um, that started with me several years ago. She had two teenage sons at the time and she really just wanted to sing again. It had been a long time. She just wanted to do it for fun, for enjoyment, and for stress relief because her job was super stressful. And what actually inspired her to seek out a vocal coach was that her son's high school choir was getting ready. um, The choir was getting ready to go sing at Carnegie Hall, and she was going to chaperone the trip. So this reminded Julie of how much she once loved to sing back in her choir days in high school and college. And of course, this was before med school and starting her family, but despite all the things that put her voice on the back burner over the last few decades, she just could never forget the complete and unabashed joy that singing once gave her. And she was reminded of it by, you know, attending choral practices of her son's school and getting ready to go on this trip with the school choir. So even though her hectic schedule, her career, her family life did not permit her to Even really, think about any performance goals at that time. She couldn't really pursue, you know, joining a choir or auditioning for a musical because of her schedule. Uh, Despite that, we were able to arrange her weekly vocal coaching to fit into her timeline. And then she just got to develop and strengthen her singing voice again. Even if it was just for an hour a week, she was really happy to just work on vocal technique and belt out these quite challenging torch songs that she'd pick and just to do it to her heart's delight during our time together. But then as a sort of surprising added benefit, she started telling me about how much she had grown in confidence at work. And she was able to, she felt like she had really grown in her ability to speak up and stand out more in the male-dominated field of internal medicine that she worked in. And of course, I was thrilled for her on the work front. And then on the singing front, as she grew in confidence, she started to request that we expand her repertoire to include, you know, even sort of saucier and more challenging vocal pieces that gave an even bigger bounce to her step, so to speak. And I just loved her energy. She was so positive and happy just revisiting this love, this old love of hers without any real aims toward performance. And I just found that really refreshing. She was the first client I had had in a long time who wasn't like, actively preparing for a performance or an audition or something along those lines. And then right around that time, I also met my very darling friend, Marianne. I met her at one of my shows in Seattle. She is an interior designer still to this day. And at the time she started with me, she was in her 60s already. So she was a little bit older. She worked for an architectural firm, another male-dominated field, if I might add, She'd had some operatic training. She had done choral singing, and she always described her voice as being Julie Andrews-like, which I didn't see a problem with. I love Julie Andrews. Um, But she'd always harbored this sort of secret desire to sing jazz. She wanted to sing jazz and blues, and she wanted to create a cabaret show about her life. I mean, she made it sound like the most ridiculous pipe dream. I was like, of course, why not? I mean, I always have my clients' backs when it comes to their dreams. But unfortunately, Marianne didn't know if she'd ever be able to change the way she sounded because she'd already worked with other vocal coaches and they had tried and failed to help her make the transition. And so it was after seeing me at this show, just by chance, um, she saw me performing in a wide range of styles, including classical, even though it was a jazz and blues show. And after seeing me do this, you know, without a hitch, just kind of switching from style to style, from language to language, she thought, oh, that just might be the coach for me. And luckily, I did happen to be a coach, and we started working together right away. And I really loved getting to know Marianne during our first few sessions together. I got to know a lot about her personal life. I learned that she'd lost her husband to cancer um, several years prior to our meeting, and she had really not done very much singing. She didn't do much singing for a few years after his death. But some part of her just needed to express everything she felt about their relationship. And she felt the need to express it in song. Everything from how they met to their courtship and marriage, the raising of their daughters, and then finally his illness and his death and, you know, the aftermath of that for her. Mostly she wanted to celebrate their love and she wanted to express hope after loss for herself, for her daughters, and for anyone else who might, you know, listen and be able to relate to what she'd been through. And so long story short, in our time together, Mary Ann was able to transform her voice into a flexible instrument capable of capturing a range of styles from not only opera and jazz, but also beyond that. One of her goals when she came to me was to learn the song La Vie en Rose in French because she had spent some really cherished time in Paris with her late husband. I can't remember if it was their honeymoon or an anniversary. But everyone knows that song, right? Right. So she'd always wanted to learn it in French. So I happened to be a French speaker and I happened to specialize in French music. So we worked on that and she did a beautiful job learning that in French. And as a result of all of this, not only did Marianne write and produce an incredible one-woman cabaret show about her life, but it was also really well received to the point where she was able to create a second one that was more about, you know, her life after the death of her husband. And I think she added a lot more details about their life together as well. But in addition to that, she also grew in her confidence at work, a lot like Julie, the doctor. Um, she was able to speak up for herself more. She was able to stand out more in an environment which, in Marianne's case, it was not only male-dominated, right, the architectural world. The firm she worked at was mostly men. It was also an environment where she'd been harboring some insecurity around her age, um, being significantly older than most of her co-workers. Um, and of course, she knew that it was probably just in her mind, but we do live in a certain kind of society with certain kinds of values and judgments. And so totally natural she'd feel that way. However, her confidence grew so much, to, it was to the point where she actually executed this really cool thing. She did an impromptu opera performance of O mio babbino caro at this lavish work event uh, that her firm had thrown. They had done um some really cool pro bono work restoring an ancient hillside town in Italy. I got to attend the event. It was amazing. Um O mio no caro is that you've heard it in pasta commercials. It's um dee 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 right. I have to be really careful with this condenser mic. But what was so cool was that no one at the architecture firm she'd worked at for like a decade, I think at that point or 15 years, no one even knew she sang, much less opera, much less in Italian. So I was a very proud coach that day. It was so cool to watch her do her thing. Everyone was blown away and it added something so special to the event. So that was super cool. We're still in touch. She's still doing her thing. And I just have one more example I put Julie's and Marianne's side by side because of the similarities with work. And I thought those were really interesting. They were, they were goals that previous students of mine hadn't expressed quite as much. And then around this same time, I had another student, another client. She was a financial advisor. She's in her 40s. And I'd first known her as a fan of my music. So um, Angela and I met at one of my Seattle concerts, like some one-off concert I did. She happened to be there. And then she became just a super supportive, you know, cheerleader of of my band at the time. And she actually attended several shows before one night. We had a drink after one of my shows, and she finally sort of confessed that she used to be a professional singer. She'd been really shy about it. And she had sung lead for several bands um, back in her 20s. And she, you know, kept telling me that, wow, you know, watching you perform, it's like relit this fire in me that I thought had burned out long ago. So I was like, hey, you know, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. Because she'd already studied voice for many years, like two decades prior. And all she could remember was the pain and frustration of not being able to overcome certain vocal obstacles. And this, unfortunately, is something I've heard a lot over the years. And I don't want to get too technical yet, but basically... Angela wasn't able to smoothly transition between her lower and higher vocal registers. Again, I don't want to get too technical, but this is known as um, sort of bridging or mixing, and I will definitely be explaining these better in future episodes. It is such a common vocal struggle, by the way. it's one of the most common in fact, and it's one that unfortunately in my at least in my experience and what I hear from clients, many vocal coaches don't even seem to know how to fix and so for Angela, despite her years of vocal lessons, this obstacle resulted for her in a lot of vocal strain and discomfort and even some vocal damage. And that caused her to not only pursue singing as a career, but to experience a real block, a real mental block around her voice. And she went years without doing much singing at all. And the main reason I bring up Angela's story is that during her, this was a a, quite a an eye-opening experience for me but during her very first session with me so she finally was like yes I'm ready to give it a try I really like the way you sing so like you you could be a great coach for me so during her first session she was able to experience her true mixed voice in a fully controlled and intentional way in a safe environment for the first time in her life so after I did a thorough evaluation of her range and her vocal type I walked her through some highly tailored exercises and some bridging technique, along with thorough explanations, you know, simple step-by-step explanations. And I just, you know, I kind of did my magic and I diagnosed and figured out what she needed. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes before the end of our session, this incredibly like polished and professional woman in a gorgeous business suit, she had just come from work. Again, she's a financial advisor, really professional. She literally burst into tears in my vocal studio. And I remember her asking, why did no one ever explain it to me this way before? And then she said, I could have gone so far with my voice if I'd only known you back then. And it just broke my heart. And it just, it gave me an even stronger sort of resolve to help more people. So these are the stories along with many, many, many others like them that are the reason that I have such a heart for teaching not only singers who already, you know, sing, have been singing, but also executives and leaders and professionals from all walks of life. I think the amount of vocal confidence, the the, the boost in, you know, confidence and empowerment that I've seen in them through vocal work and through the guidance of a knowledgeable and understanding coach... I've just seen them step up their game in work and in life, and I just think really it's because of vocal work. I, I firmly, firmly believe that it's the effects of their vocal work. It's the benefits of their vocal work. I've seen you know certain fears and insecurities disappear, like Marianne's with her age, or you know Julie working around mostly men, or you know um, Angela with all of her basically trauma from the pain and discomfort of not being able to manage um, physical blocks in her voice then created a mental block and a trauma for her. So, you know, for a lot of people, the fear and insecurity that they feel is around just how terrible they thought their voice sounded before working with me or their obsession with what other people thought of their voice. Because remember, if you've listened to the other episodes, I've said this many times before, the way you feel about your voice the way you think about it, the way you speak about it is a direct reflection of how you feel about yourself, right? So if you think others are judging you negatively based on how your voice sounds, then you could probably use a huge dose of vocal confidence and empowerment in your life right now, right? So next week, I want to talk a little bit. This is running a bit long. So I'd like to talk next week a little bit about the three-part framework that I use to keep my clients' vocal work and their sessions really focused and efficient, right? These are three principal elements of vocal work. And I teach them separately at first, but once each of these elements is learned and understood better, then they become really interwoven. And together they create my complete vocal method, which I call the Diva Method with two E's, of course. And so next week I'll explain how out of those three elements of vocal work, only one of them is slightly different between singers and speakers. So I'll touch on all three of them next week and I'll explain a little bit about the difference between coaching singers and speakers. I'll show why the vast majority of what I teach is exactly the same between the two. And I'll also highlight some of the tremendous advantages to working with a coach who's experienced with singers, even if you yourself only use your voice for speaking and don't even have an interest in singing. Although I think I can change your mind. Anyway, thank you so very, very much for joining me today, for listening to my clients' stories. It was so lovely to revisit them myself and, you know, just be reminded of how much I love what I do, which is essentially helping others to reach their full vocal potential and to sort of rediscover the joy that they once found in their own voices. So until next time, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Mahalo for tuning in, and I hope you'll join me again soon for another episode of I Hate My Voice. To learn more about my online vocal programs, visit my website at diva.academy. That's D-E-E-V-A dot academy. You can also find me on social media with the hashtag at divamusic. And don't forget, that's diva with two E's. My name is Nikki D. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Aloha.